What's the deal, man? Politic in the podcast. We back again here at Rigamorty Studios, located in downtown San Bernardino. Hit me up on uh, Politic and Broadcasting Networks if y'all want to pull up, get interviewed. You know, talk about your brand or your business. So here we have uh, Alicia. She's here to talk about her peace brand, her sweaters, man, and how her art. You know, and uh, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Alicia or Alicia. And I'm an artist. So an artist, what do you mean by that? Because a lot of people deem themselves artists these days. And it was very hard for me to say that, actually. I never, uh, I've never been comfortable calling myself anything. So to call myself an artist is a big step. Um, I always consider myself to be a failure. So to, name, to call myself that is... So, what have you done in your life that you would deem a, a failure? Um, I've just always been hard on myself. I've never, I've been like, I think everyone's their own biggest critic. Mm-hmm. But, so, I've never felt like I've been able to complete anything. So, to be able to put myself out there as a painter, as like a, a draw, you know, as a, you know, just to put myself out there the way I'm putting myself out there now is a big accomplishment for me. Mm-hmm. Because I've always kind of been all over the place. I've always said, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. And I've never accomplished anything. So to finally put myself out there and be serious about something is a big step for me. I've always felt like in the past I've tried to do that and it would be embarrassing. And then I'd be like, oh, I failed. Like, I'm, you know? I, I, I feel you completely. Because for me, I'm a, essentially a jack-of-all-trades. I've done... Even in my professional life, I started in retail. I went to American Career College, went to medical billing, then I went and did front and back office, left that, went into sales, left that, went into plumbing, left that, went into warehouse. Now I'm currently in manufacturing. So I've literally, like, have jumped everywhere from, from, from every field just because... I feel like the success that I'm looking for is not in that field and that I need to switch my hustle up, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it's not really like I feel like it was a failure, but I do feel like a lot of it was a waste of time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I could have been doing something much better with my time or, 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 or have some type of direction, but that was also the lack of direction that I had in my life. I didn't really have any real goals or any real wants to to say, okay, this is what I want and this is how I'm going to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, and once I, I flipped that switch, you know, it gave my life purpose and direction. Mm-hmm. And and that right there, uh, for me, was the key to not feeling like that. You know, like, especially, like, as a kid in sports, I used to be real hard on myself, like, as far as I want perfection, like, I want to be the best. If I'm out there and I got to do it, I'm going to give it 110%. And if that 110% don't net me victory, then it's like, am I good enough? Am I really that nigga that I think I am? You know what I'm saying? So I I dealt with those inner questions my whole life also. So I know exactly what you mean. Mm -hmm. So as an artist, now that you decided to actually step out and, and call yourself one, what is your next plans? Um, my next plan is to kind of just, I'm kind of just going with where I'm being 
like spiritually guided so I like I just go with what I you know what you know I wake up and I pray and I meditate and whatever messages I receive that's where I go so right now I'm going with you know painting and like making these sweaters and just following my heart and whatever my heart tells me to do that's where I'm going okay so I see you got the sweater on what's mm -hmm. the inspiration behind the sweater um find your peace whatever whatever you whatever you do to find your peace whatever um inspires you to find your peace um personally this the meaning behind this is I was in meditation one day and um I actually used to have like a really short temper so um, when I learned how to meditate, it taught me to have patience and it taught me to control that. And so one day um, I heard like a mantra, like tame the beast, find peace. And I was mm -hmm. like, what does that mean? You know, mm -hmm. so I kind of like when I would argue, like because I kind of argue with my dad a lot. So when I would argue with him, I didn't know how to like not respond. So like hearing that taught me like don't respond, like don't react, don't react. So I would always be like, oh, tame. You know, whatever, like, yeah. say that little mantra in my head. And one day I was thinking, like, maybe I should draw that. Like, what would it look like if I drew it out? So I kept drawing it out, drawing it out, and then I kind of, like, came up with this somehow. Like, and I just kept perfecting it, perfecting it. And then one day I was just like, oh, you know, I'm going to put it on a shirt. So at first we were doing tank tops, and then we ended up making, like, hoodies and um, crews. And so that's where I'm at now. Okay, so... As far as painting, do you do you do any uh, is any of your paintings for sale or do you do it just for um, personal use? I don't. I haven't really considered selling them. Painting is more like how I express myself. Cause it's like I just do like abstract. Um, I've been doing it off and on for five years, but like I said, I used to lack a lot of patience and I was really hard on myself. So when I started painting, I would always look at it and I was like, "That's stupid," and I would throw it like I would literally throw the canvas away. And I just wasting canvases and wasting paint because I thought it was dumb. And so, like, when I got back into it, like, I kind of would, like, give myself more patience. I would, like, go on YouTube and, like, look at other people and, like, actually learn how to mix colors and stuff like that. And so now it's more just, like, I don't really want to sell it. I just kind of want to do it. Like, I just want to just express myself on the canvas. It's not really, like... I don't know. I don't really know what I'm, you know, it's just yeah, kind of like so a freedom it's more for me. just a, a personal yeah, just, escape, mm -hmm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Something to get lost into. Uh, mm -hmm. That's why a lot of people smoke weed. Mm, yeah, you know what I'm saying? that too. Yeah, to, to alleviate that pressure. and uh, For me, I deal with anxiety a lot. Mm -hmm. That's my biggest thing is anxiety because I, I know what I want and I'm willing to go so hard to get it, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, I try to hold the world to the same standard that I hold myself to. Mm -hmm. And for people to want it or or see things the way I see, don't, and a lot of people don't. And, and that's why I may come off aggressive a lot of the times because people don't see things that are glaringly obvious to me. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's frustrating. Especially when you feel like nobody sees the world the way you see it. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's a lonely feeling. Yeah. It's like, damn, like, nobody can see this. Nobody gets it. You know what I'm saying? So, for me, I've been dealing with anxiety since I was a child. My first, my first stint at it was fifth grade. I got called into 
the office and I got showed some ink blots and I'm looking at myself like what the hell it was a it was an incident in class where the, the teacher had got into a altercation with one of the children and he stepped out to go get the dean or whatever and the kid that he was uh, reprimanding got on the teacher's desk and pulled out his pants and started shaking his ass. <laughs> and the teacher came back in and started screaming like, Lonnie, stop shaking your ass in front of the class. And that shit just was so hilarious to me. And I literally like went into a hysteria and I was laughing for like two hours, tears. And everybody was looking at me like I was crazy. Now at the time I had just transferred schools from Western elementary to the school called Dominito. Mm -hmm. So I was a new kid at the school. I really didn't have no friends. I was really didn't. This is probably the only time in my life where I was kind of introverted, where I didn't really speak to nobody. So for me to bust out laughing like that, everybody looked at me like kind of weird. Mm -hmm. So then as I, time goes by, I keep getting in trouble. I keep doing these different things. And they called me into the counselor's office and they show me ink blots. And I'm like, what the hell? Then they teach, they take me to like therapy sessions. And next, next thing you know, they came to the conclusion that anytime I, I feel anxious or overzealous, that I can just remove myself from the classroom. Now, I'm a fifth grader. So anytime that the teacher was like, oh, it's time for homework, I would just get up and walk out. Like, oh, no, feeling anxious. I can't, I can't deal, you know, because I didn't really take it seriously. I didn't really think of think nothing of it. But then, around my teenage years, I, I became this real angry person because they, my parents moved me out the hood to the suburbs and it was such a culture shock for me because I was just so used to living such a fast life to come out here and it was just such a difference in the people, in the culture, in the way things worked, you know, and I just missed the hood so much. And I rebelled and I hated it, you know what I'm saying? It really wasn't until about 21, 22 that I settled into being to the Inland Empire. Like, you know what? I'm really out the hood. Like, let me stay out the hood for good. You know, and it, 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 it's crazy, man. Like, once you look back on it, these things are triggered at a much younger age mm -hmm. and you didn't deal with them then. And then eventually, as an adult, it reaches his head where you can no longer put it off and you have to deal with it and face the slay those demons, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I'm happy you found your, your outlet because mm -hmm. a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah, and it took a long time because like in elementary, like you, like I used to be like the loner kid. Like I would sit under the tree and just like watch everybody else have fun. Mm -hmm. And so they would put me in like um, self-esteem classes and then we wouldn't do anything but play Jenga. So I was like, okay, like, like you, you know, like I'm just gonna go, yeah. go play Jenga. Cool. And then so like as I got older, like I would still be like that loner kid, like kind of like wanting to be with the crowd, but like I didn't know how. Like I don't know how to socialize well with people. Mm -hmm. And then as I got older, it just got worse. Like I just have like severe social anxiety. So when I'm like in groups of people, I'm like nervous. Like what if someone says hey to me like how do I respond like I'm constantly in my head like I don't know how to like interact well in groups mm -hmm. so like it just kept declining kept declining and then like they tell you like you you know then they tell you like then they you know you go and get diagnosed with like different disorders like 
I have um, something. I have bi bipolar disorder, and then I have something called schizoaffective disorder. So, those two combined, and then like you're with your, you know, like you you already can't talk to people, and then like you have those disorders, and then it's like I don't want to even be okay. around. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So it's like then you kind of like start isolating more, and then it just gets worse, and then it just declines and declines even more. And so it's. Uh, it took a long time for me to get to the point where I realized I needed help. Yeah. So, so what made you be like, okay, I need, I need to seek help? Um, I had like, I kept having these breakdowns. Like, I kept getting fired from jobs, and I was like, what's go, like, what's going on? Like, I keep losing these jobs. Like, I can't like maintain something. I can't be stable because I keep having mental breakdowns, and then I wasn't on like the proper medication. So, like, the last job I got fired from was last year or so, and I was, like, I just kind of sat there, like, I didn't, usually I'll cry and get depressed and stuff, and then that time I just kind of sat there and I was like, okay, obviously God is trying to help me go in the right direction and I'm not, I'm not listening, so maybe I should sit down and listen. And so I kind of just sat there, and I was, that's when I started, like, getting into meditation and, like, getting more into prayer and, like, kind of, like, listening to the guidance I was receiving. And I kind of had to, like, listen to my therapist and, like, get, like, on the right medication and, like, be consistent with things and, like, you know, like, learn how, learn how to be an adult, like, in a sense, because I, like, with my health declining, I, I never really knew how to take care of myself mentally. Like, I was able to take care of myself physically as in, like, losing the weight I gained from the medication, but I never knew how to take care of myself mentally. And so that was the biggest the biggest challenge I had to overcome. For me, I I caught a gun charge, three felonies at seventeen. Tried that tried that as an adult. Took a five year probation and I violated five times within that five years. So when I finally got off of probation, and I got my name cleared, it was like okay, now I can try to go get a job, mm -hmm. and I. I was like, you know what, I need to change my life. I don't want to be in the streets no more. So I moved up to Palmdale and started going to school. You know, when I started going to school, 3.8 GPA in college, never had good grades as a child, you know. Chilling. Playing, uh, paying rent to a spot that wasn't paying the mortgage. Come home one day, the house is being foreclosed on. We get ready to get locked out in 48 hours. They're going to sell the house in a short sale. So I had to stop everything that I was doing and move back home with my mama. Mm -hmm. Now at the time, it's only two bedrooms. My brothers both moved back in with my parents, so now I don't even got a room. I'm sleeping on the floor with my clothes in the, in the garage. Mm -hmm. I'm living out of trash bags, essentially. Mm -hmm. So I kind of hit rock bottom, but I'm like, okay, I, this is the time for me to clear my name, go get a job, you know, fix my life. Went around riding buses for hours, interviews, riding around with suit and tie on, all that shit. Couldn't get a job for shit. Now this whole time I'm trying and failing, my parents think, okay, he moved back, he back in the streets, he back to his old shit. They end up kicking me out. So they, they kicked me out. I'm homeless. So I end up being homeless for a good three and a half months. Before I found a spot to live in Riverside. 
So now I'm living in Riverside. I got a room for rent. Could barely $300 rent. Could barely squeeze to pay $300 rent. Couldn't find a job. All this shit went and got my record expunged, cleared. Maybe thinking that would help me out, you know. Still couldn't get a job. So then I finally get a job at the Under Armour uh, the warehouse in Rialto. This one, it was brand new. Hadn't even opened yet. On the way back, I lost my wallet with both forms of ID. Had a mental breakdown on the corner. Just start punching and kicking shit. Punched a wall and broke my head. Mm-hmm. At the, I break my hand. I'm going crazy on the corner. Only thing that snapped me out of it is the homie Marcus Baker and Andre. They, they homies from high school. They seen me going crazy on the corner and jumped out on me and, and started hugging me like, Caleb, come on, what's up? You all right? You know, and it brought me back into the real world, you know. And I called my girl, like, hey, come get me, and my hand broke. She like, what? Like, she look, couldn't understand. Like, like I literally had re- reached rock bottom at that point. And I, I, I felt completely like a failure. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was like, no matter what I could, no matter what I did, I couldn't win. Like, all I was doing was trying to change my life for the better. I was trying to do the right thing for the first time in my life. And still couldn't succeed, man. I couldn't, I couldn't understand it. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it was God showing me that there's, there's, he got a different plan for me. Mm-hmm. And that all that shit was not part of the plan. And that's why it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it was hard to accept that. But for me, I think that the, be- the beginning of turning the tide was prayer. I went to Abundant Living, and, and after they did an altar call, I went in the back for extra prayer, and I had probably 10 people pray over me for at least an hour because I had reached a point where I was mentally was ready to give up, and I was just done. Like, you know what? I'm just done. I don't know what else to do. I don't know. Because usually I'm like a pillar of strength. Like, when people see me, they're like, man, I usually take life and take it on the chin and keep it pushing. So at that point, it was the first time where I was like, you know what, I'm done. I'm done fighting. I'm, I'm tired. I, I can't do it no more, you know. And, and prayer really uplifted me and, and re-energized my spirit, you know, to get back out there and keep pushing. Yeah. That's that's the thing that helped me too because um, I actually came really close to to death because I was like, I like was like suicidal and I like actually overdosed. And, like, um, I seen, like, my whole life, like, flash before my eyes, and then I stopped, and I was like, what am I doing? Like, you know what I mean? And I actually, like, I was already, I already had God in my life, you know what I mean? But I didn't really know how to access him. And then at that moment, like, I, like, prayed, and that was the only thing that kind of, like, kind of snapped me because I couldn't feel like, like, my, my body was, like, you know what I mean? Like, I felt like I was going. And then after that, like, after that time period, that's when I was like, okay, stop what you're doing, like, f- flip your life, right. like, stop, like, change your, change your direction, like, you know, like, redirect your focus, like, you know what I mean, that's where all that stuff started coming from, because it's mm-hmm. like, whatever I was doing wasn't the right path, you know, so I had to, like, I had to get closer to God, I had to, I had to get on that path, because I wasn't, and it's not like I was doing bad stuff. It's just like the way my mind works. It's just it's not. It doesn't you know function mm-hmm. the right way. And it's like 
you know, I had to get help. So for me, a lot of it was playing the victim, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. blaming blaming everybody for my own mishaps instead of taking onus for what I did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, my parents kicked me out when I was trying to fix my life, but everything I did up until that point said that this nigga's a fuck up and he in the streets doing this, selling drugs, bringing guns into the house. I went to five high schools. You know what I'm saying? In and out of jail for stupid shit. You know, my parents put up with a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. My mom, like, when Pac say, what, mama checking in my bedroom, I ain't there, that's real shit, you know? Like, my mom would continuously check in my bedroom damn near every night, especially on the weekends, just to make sure that her child was alive, just to make sure that I was there because I'm so impulsive mm -hmm. that... I would get a phone call and that phone call would take me anywhere in the world, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't even look back or stop or think about what I was doing or informing anybody or where I was at or what I was doing, not thinking about nobody but myself, you know? And it was that selfish mentality and behavior that was kind of putting me in that box alone. Mm. It's that, it wasn't that I was alone, it was that I was so selfish that I was blocking everybody out. And isolated myself, you know what I'm saying? But I felt like nobody really understood what was going on, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would talk to my friends. I, I started to go inward and, like, read books and study history and different things. And everybody started to be like, you weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, now it's crazy because you look on the Internet and you see all these people talking about all this self-help stuff. And you see all these speakers speaking all this stuff. But 10 years ago, if you spoke on this stuff, you was a weirdo. Yeah. If you were into this stuff, you were a weirdo. Everybody's mm -hmm. talking about saging and yeah. meditation and chakras. Mm -hmm. But if you tapped into that 10 years ago, yeah. you were a weirdo. You were a, a, a crazy motherfucker. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And even now, but even now, people still think you're weird if you don't. Like, some people still think you're weird if you're doing it. Yeah, but they haven't, uh, they haven't tapped into it. Like, yeah. Like, meditation is something that I... I I have used to calm my anxiety, but I'm not consistent with it. Mm -hmm. So is is meditation a key to keeping you yes. on, on that level too? When I first started it, I was like, oh, like the first day I did it, I was like, oh, this is like interesting. So I like did it the next day, and then I did it the next day, and then I realized like, oh, it's also a healing technique. And so it became like like a daily habit, and now I do it like maybe three to four times a day, like, I can sit there for hours, like, and just kind of, like, 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 for today, because I knew I was going to be talking to you, like, I had to prepare, because I'm, like, I don't talk yeah. to people that often, so I had to sit there for, like, maybe three to four hours just to, like, mentally visualize myself talking to somebody, you know what I mean? So, it helps a lot, it helps me a lot. It's been about a year of consistency of meditation for me. <laughs> for me... Most of my problems come when I go to sleep. I've suffered from night terrors for years. And I think it's because of all the repressed memories and all the street shit and shootouts and niggas dying and all that shit that I've experienced throughout my life that, you know, they're repressed memories. So I, I practice mindfulness. So what I mean by that is that when I'm alive, like, I practice being solely in this moment, 
my mind is not thinking about the past. My mind is not thinking about 10 minutes from now. I'm completely engulfed in the moment. Mm -hmm. So being, being in that state of mind when I'm conscious leaves my unconscious state of mind for, you know, as the devil's playground. So for me, meditation didn't really do much for me in, unless I was going to sleep. Yeah. At nighttime when I'm trying to get rest and I'm not trying to have the night terrors because a lot of times the night terrors would be me fighting the world. You know what I'm saying? It would be just me like kind of on some John Wick shit. You know what I'm saying? Where I killed five niggas and here go ten more niggas popping out to get me. You know what I'm saying? And, it's, and every day that I would go back to sleep it would be like a continuation from where I left off. So it was like a, just a never-ending dream, a, a never-ending mental battle that I still struggle with. I still wake up and in cold sweats, and I don't honestly, I, I don't know what to do. You know, mm -hmm. as far as uh, everything else, I pretty much got a, a, a stronghold on my mental health. But as far as these night terrors, man, like they left for a little while, but every time, every now and then, they pop back up to let me know, like, nah, you, you ain't done yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I close my eyes at night, man. It's scary. Yeah. Like, this is the first time I actually admitted it to myself. Mm -hmm. Like, it's scary. It is. It's very scary. Uh, one thing that I have, cause I have like that too, like um, sleep paralysis and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, um, like, a lot of things that I do before I go to sleep, like, the main thing I do is journal. Like, it's not even just, like, dear journal. Like, nothing like that. It's just getting out your thoughts before you go to sleep. Like, whatever's on your mind, just write it out. And it kind of clears you out before you go to sleep. That way you're not thinking thinking too much, you know? Mm -hmm. And you kind of just kind of, and then, like, write, like, sometimes I write my prayers. And then I just go to sleep. And I kind of feel, like, at peace when I do that. So, I mean, because I, you know, I have, you know, night terrors and stuff. Like, I get yeah. that, too. So, I mean, like, that that helps me a lot. Definitely. So, with the with your brand, what, what, where can people find your sweaters? Is it, like, something that you do on a hand-to-hand -hand basis? Is it something you're going to sell online? Or? Um, I do have it on, I have it on a... On the website, it's findyourpeace.com, um, P3ACE, um, well, find your peace, yeah, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that, um, you can follow me on Instagram too, uh, the same thing, findyourpeace, P3ACE, yeah, on Instagram, so. And so, do you plan on sharing your story in any other way or platform, or is it just... You came on to just uh, kind of... I mean, I would like to. But I think it's kind of like... Because this is the first time I've, like, shared it. Uh -huh. So, um... I don't... I, I mean... Yeah, I can. I would like... I don't know. Just what the future holds. Because, um... There's four type of people in this world. It's the people that never learn. It's the people that learn but don't apply. It's the people that practice and never preach. And then there's the evangelists that go out there and try to spread as much knowledge and experience through their life. And throughout my journey, I've had steps at each one, you know. I was a nigga that didn't learn from shit. I was a hard head. 
I got down where I'm mad at. I stayed in some shit, and I just expected that to be my life, you know. So once I stopped living like that, then it was like, okay, I started to read these books, and I actually applied them to real life, you know. And then once I started to apply them and start to get results, I didn't tell anybody about them because people looked at me like a weirdo. So I would just apply these things to my life but keep it to myself. Mm -hmm. And then not until I really started this podcast that I really started to share the knowledge and all the things. Like my girl, I would go tell her for hours on everything that I'm studying and because... One thing always leads to the next. There's no such thing as knowing everything. Mm -hmm. So the one topic always leads you to another experience or topic or piece of information. Mm -hmm. And she was the only one that would be receptive to the type of things that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So even if she didn't fully understand or want to understand what I was talking about, at least she was an ear to listen. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? For me to express like, hey... I found causality. It's crazy. It's changing my life. Most people be like, what? But understanding why things happen is the thing that gives me peace of mind. You know what I'm saying? If I don't understand why things occurred, then that that, that, that makes me hold on to resentment mm -hmm. and spite. And spite and resentment was a lot of the reasons why I was in trouble. Mm -hmm. And why? Because I had to get my get back. I was a nigga that needed my get back. Every time, no matter what, no matter who it was, mm -hmm. that's why my mom kicked me out because I had, I was such a tyrant that I don't care if it's my mama, I need my get back. You know what I'm saying? And I had to learn not to be like that no more. You know, but I had, I had to go inward. It's you hard. Had, yeah. Like I, I don't know if you ever heard of self-actualization. Like yeah, like uh, yeah, it's yeah. So, I I went through the whole process of self-actualizing. To, to kind of find and become one with myself. And every time that I see myself uh, getting away from who I am and who I want to be, I go back into that inward place, into that self-actualization where I need to realize what's going on, identify the, the, the triggers in my life and figure out what to do to eliminate them. You mm. know what I'm saying? Because I can't live my life angry and mad and... Patience is a virtue that I'm still struggling with. I'm very, very impatient. Especially because I'm a self-starter. I'm used to just... As soon as I get the inkling, I, I move. You know what I'm saying? So, my patience, especially with working, when working with others, is the number one thing I struggle with. Because I be wanting people to yeah. move as fast and be as, as on it as I am. You know, and it's, it's hard to find those type of people, you know what I'm saying? But man, mental health, man, as far as black people, as a child, it's a stigma that you grow up with that if you're going through these things, you can't, you can't, you can't speak yeah, on it's like it. like taboo. You can't deal with it. You got to deal with it in the closet. You got to mm -hmm. deal with it in the cut. You can't really be outward and share it with people mm -hmm. because of the stigma and the box that they're going to put you in. So I'm happy that as black people, we're starting to come out and actually deal with our mental health instead of just letting it go to the wayside. You know yeah, because the longer you, um, the longer you don't don't choose not to deal with it, like the worse it gets. And that's what I learned. Like, 
I kept trying to ignore it, like, oh, maybe there's really nothing wrong with me. Maybe I'm just, like, I don't know, maybe I'm just dramatic, you know uh -huh. what I'm saying? And then, like, the older I got, like, the worse I kept getting, the worse I kept getting until I was like, okay, let me, let me do something. Let me sit down and figure it out, uh -huh. you know what I'm saying? And, we're, and we all relapse, like, nobody's perfect. I'm not saying I'm sitting here and I'm, I found peace and not every day is great because it's not like we have challenges we have demons that we have to face every day like mm -hmm. no day is going to be perfect we're going to fight something every day but at least like make the effort to try you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. make the effort to be peaceful it's crazy man because uh like people all the time when i meet people and i, I tell them like what i'm doing and they come through, they're like, man, you're a blessing, you're such an inspiration. And honestly, like, I'm so hard on myself that compliments literally do nothing for me. Like, people could be like, you changed my life. You're such an inspiration. And it literally, like, I go into, like, this blank feeling, you know? Because mm -hmm. I'm so hard on myself that I don't feel like, I don't feel like that. So I feel like you kind of, Shucking and jiving, you yeah, kind of just trying to boost me up. Like it's you're not serious. You you say that, but you don't really feel like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I, I'm trying. I don't know what I could do, but I'm trying not to be so hard on myself. But at that same time, that inner drive is what allows me to jump through these hurdles and keep it pushing. So you know, it's it's my source of stress, but it's also my biggest weakness, you know what I'm saying? So it's like it's like serendipity. The best way I could describe it, man. It's like a gift and a curse, man. Yeah. Like that's why Jay Z is one of my favorite artists because when he dropped that gift and a curse album, he was talking about that inner struggle, that same thing that I'm talking about. How everybody look at him as Hova mm -hmm. but he looking at himself as Sean Carter, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's hard, you know, to to feel like Hover and be Hover at the same time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's that drive to want to be Hover that pushes him to that greatness. You know, and if he stopped, if he actually felt like he was the man, then he wouldn't keep striving to push the envelope forward. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I do want to get into politics. Let's get into... Colin Kaepernick, man, he just had an NFL tryout today. We all know he sat down for the flag. Donald Trump said that anybody that kneeled for the flag should be fired, and all them bums should be be should be uh, respectful that they gave them a job or an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of understand <coughs> that because. These white billionaire owners didn't have to create the NFL. They don't have to pay you $168 million to throw a football and tackle niggas. So it is a blessing. To. It is a blessing for, for them to create this opportunity. But at the same time, you pledge allegiance to a flag. That means you pledge an allegiance to what the flag stands for. And when the Pledge of Allegiance was written and assimilated into the culture, we were slaves. So you, so how does that allegiance or that, that pledge apply to us black men or as black women or as indigenous people? How does it apply to anybody that's not a white American? 
You know what I'm saying? Why do we have to do it anyway? Why do we have to pledge allegiance? They taught us. They had us do it in elementary school and high school. Like they kind of instilled it in us without us ever actually asking the question of what are. It's called the pledge of allegiance. Why are we pledging allegiance? You know what I'm saying? And once you ask that, it's like for what this country stood for, especially when they came up with this. No, I'm not pledging allegiance to that way of thinking of that, of that, that constitution. Exactly. See, now, black people, we were granted liberty, not freedom. And what that means is that we have access to the same things that the free people have. So white people are free in America. We have access to their freedoms. We have the liberty to access their freedoms. But we're technically not free. Mm -hmm. That liberty can be taken from us at any time, any moment. So, technically, according to the Constitution, we're still three-fifths of a man. We're just granted liberty to freedom. Mm -hmm. So, why would I pledge allegiance to a Constitution that says that I'm not even a whole man? You know what I'm saying? And people want to shun Kaepernick and look at him like, he might not be the best football player no more. He was on a decline, just like every other football player that plays since they're 10 years old into their mid-30s. It's a lot of injuries, a lot of wear and tear that goes on your body. The shelf life for a football player is the shortest out of any athlete. So for you to, to expect Kaepernick to be the same Super Bowl Kaepernick is kind of an unreal expectation. So, so what are your feelings on taking a knee during the the uh the Pledge of Allegiance in this whole Kaepernick situation. Man, I told you about that. <laughs> I, I really don't pay attention to a lot of this stuff because I feel like it's just like... Man, I don't know. I think I agree with taking the knee. Like, I'm all for that because I really don't... Like, Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, like, none of... Like, I don't understand why we have to do that. You know what I'm saying? I, like, no disrespect to the... Like... Mm -hmm. like all that stuff but like I don't see why that's like I don't see why we have to do it and I understand why they take a knee out. like I get it mm -hmm. but I don't know anything about football I don't know anything like yeah. Colin Kaepernick and how he plays <laughs> I don't know like anything about that but I do like understand why they take a knee yeah like uh it's crazy because as black people like I was listening to a Malcolm X speech earlier called The Ballad in the Bullet. And he was talking about how a white man wouldn't let a black man come run for any type of city councilman or any type of mayor or any type of government position to run their community. Mm -hmm. So why do we allow white people to come? We vote for them and then allow them to run our community and expect them to give us anything. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it's that same way. I feel like Kaepernick, what did you expect the NFL to do? What did you expect them to give you out of you kneeling? You know what I'm saying? Me personally, I don't agree with kneeling. I don't agree with really protesting for the most part because it's disorganized. And because of the disorganization behind it, especially with black people, it leads to nothing. It starts a conversation, and then it leads to a bunch of bullshit, 
and then nothing ever gets done. But it's that's because of social media and stuff like that. Like, that has a, a serious impact on, like, the things that we do. Like, it's, like, trendy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, not to, not to say that we shouldn't be fighting for our rights, but a lot of times, like, the things that we do are because, like, it's trending on Twitter. Like, it's popular on Instagram. Like, you know what I mean? Like It's crazy how people could scream, fuck Donald Trump, and then go shoot up a nigga in the hood. The same day. Yeah. Fuck what Donald Trump talking about, nigga, take care of home. Mm -hmm. And that's our problem as black people is now we not focused on our home, no, our didn't. own communities. We don't own anything. Killer Mike just showed us a, a glaring weakness in the black community as far as black businesses. Because even if a black business exists, they still get their product or distribution from white companies. Mm -hmm. So technically, you're just reselling white products. So mm -hmm. technically nothing is coming from niggas. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like we used to run our own communities and have our own mom and pop businesses and this is why gentrification is happening because nobody goes to those mom and shop pop businesses no more. They go to Walmart. They go to Target. They go, so even a radio shack couldn't exist no more because of Walmart, Target. Best Buy has to go online and, and they're struggling to keep up. Because Amazon. Yeah, because Amazon all this. So even these big conglomerates can't even keep up with what was going on now. So how do you expect a mom and pop shop to come around and stick around unless the black community puts an emphasis on actually buying black and spending the black dollar within the black community? We have to learn how to come together and unite as one. Just... You see, but it, we don't share information. No. I think that we're we're so misinformed, mm -hmm. and that when when one person does get information, he keeps it to himself yeah. or his small circle. So mm -hmm. there's there's always this misinformation or divide within the black community because of the information he got is different from the information he got, mm -hmm. and that's why we can't be on one accord. Yeah. Michael Max was also talking about. Religion and how that's the biggest biggest separation uh, tactic in the black community. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're Islam, you're Muslim, so I'm Christian. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're a Mason. Oh, you're you're a Buddhist. Mm -hmm. Oh, you don't believe in nothing. So then we're all grouped into these different categories based on our religious belief. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about we need to be black nationalists and just have like Trump said. That's why everybody's saying Trump's a KKK member because he said he's a white nationalist, meaning that I want white people to succeed over anybody else in this nation. Is that racist? Uh, or should we adapt the same mind frame that they have? We don't need to be violent against white people. We don't need to look at them and say, oh, they're so fucking crackers. But we do need black nationalism to say, hey, we, I'm for black people over everything. And they look at the nation of Islam. My girl thinks that I'm a Muslim. I'm not no Muslim. I'm a Christian. But I do like the black nationalism that comes within the, the, the Muslim factions. Mm. They are always, they're not saying fuck white man. They're just saying, I'm for black man first. Yeah. And 
I'm going to always be for black men first, no matter what the scenario. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that as Christians, as just black people, period, we need to become black nationalists and, and really take care of black people first and start to have these inner conversations, start to have these community meetings, this community outreach. The difference is that the black church used to be the cornerstone of the black community. We don't have those. Exactly. The black church used to actually do outreach into the community. Mm. They actually used to go out and feed the homeless, have these things, uh, meet and greets at the park, where we would have these inner conversations within our community. Now the black church only does things within their grounds. Yeah. So if you don't go actually to the church and walk in their doors, then you don't receive anything that the church does to the community. Mm -hmm. If you're not a member, you don't have access to any of the things that the the church does for the community. And I go to Abundant Living. I'm a member of Abundant Living Family Church in Rancho. If you're not a member of the church, anything that they do, you have zero access to. You have to become a member first. They have like rent. They help you with rent. They pay utilities. They help you with schools. They have a scholarship programs. They have all these things that they do for the community. But if you're not a member, you have zero access to that. And that's the one thing about the church that I don't agree with. Is that the church needs to, especially in the black community, needs to get back out in the community and become a part of the community. Instead of having Cleflo Dollar talking about he needs $200 million so he can buy himself a new jet. And he know that God going to provide him with his money. And guess what? Did he get himself that new jet? He got that motherfucking jet, man. That shit crazy, like. See, my grandma, she lives in Mississippi, so she have like, they have small churches out there, and then it's like, it's not like it out here, you know? Yeah. It's like small church. Everybody can go, and it's like black churches, and it's, you know? Yeah. It's like, in the city, it's different than it is in the country. So I kind of like going to church out there and not going out here. Yeah, it's a different, uh. It's a different environment. But those, are those the churches where they do, like, Three hours of praise and yeah, worship, yeah, and, like, yeah, and, and things be falling out. <laughs> no, they don't fall out, but it's, it's they be busting backflips <laughs> and out. Yeah, it's, it's long. Uh, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I'm so used to hour and a half, two hour church. Yeah. I can't. I can't assimilate to <laughs> five hour like church, so man. Cool I just can't though. do it. I like it though. I mean, I I can't. I don't like it. It's extra. <laughs> I went to the homie church, and we went in there, me and the homie Larry, and he didn't, the homie invited us and didn't even show up to church that day. <laughs> and we in there, man, and the drummer was drumming, drumming, and then this nigga just jumped off the drums, and spent in a circle around the whole pulpit, <laughs> and then jumped back up and kept drumming. Like, didn't miss a beat or nothing, and that shit was crazy. I was like, man, it's crazy, like. I looked at the homie like, man, I'm I'm finna go to the bathroom. He like, nah, bro, you ain't going to the bathroom. So we both get up and end up leaving, man. And then, like a week later, we go to the homie house and see the pastor. And he all like, yeah, y'all was the ones that got up and left. And we're like, oh, man. That was embarrassing. But that was the last time I've been in the church that praised and worshiped like that. And I don't know, it takes some getting used to. It does. Yeah. So before we get out of here, man, one more time, tell the people your website, your Instagram, 
Instagram. Where they can find your merch. Uh, you can find find me on Instagram at Find Your Peace P three A C E, and it's the same on on the website Find Your Peace P three A C E dot com. All right, man. Well, Politicking the podcast. We're Politicking Broadcasting Networks. Hit it up, man. Check out the content. We on every every major platform: Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Um, you want to schedule a pull up? You want to be interviewed? You want to have sit in this seat? And politic with your boy, man. Hit that book button, man. Schedule your pull-up. Politic in the podcast. We out. Thank you.